Welcome to Santa Cruz Local, where we watch our public institutions and hold power to account. I'm Kara Meiber-Guzman. Today's episode, what's next for rent control and tenants' rights in Santa Cruz? We got some clues Tuesday night at the Santa Cruz City Council meeting. We've got some new rules for landlords who significantly raise their rents. Also, a new temporary law has advanced. It's not final yet, but we're likely going to see some rules limiting how landlords evict tenants. And for the long term, City Council is setting the stage for an intense, months-long formal discussion on whether and how Santa Cruz will enact rent control and eviction rules. All of this comes in the wake of the November election defeat of Measure M a rent control and eviction ballot measure that polarized the city. Get the TV on out there for folks, and maybe some chairs too would be really good to have out there. We don't have time for chairs. Okay. The scene at City yeah, Hall cool. on Tuesday. So, so we need to clear out, or we're going to empty the chambers and then come in. With it was the first council meeting with three new members, and the chambers were packed. Residents spilled out the door and into an annex at the Civic the Auditorium, auditorium? where people watched on TV. No, but can the council meeting move to the Civic Auditorium? The meeting was highly anticipated. On the agenda was a law that would resurrect last year's rules on who and in what circumstances a landlord can evict. These rules were meant to be temporary while city voters were deciding on Measure M. To remind you, the campaigns for and against Measure M were emotionally charged and incredibly divisive. A lot of manpower and a lot of campaign dollars were poured into the fight. And now, it's a whole new ball game. The council now has a progressive pro-tenants rights majority with veteran members Chris Crone, Sandy Brown, and new members Drew Glover and Justin Cumming. All four were vocal supporters of Measure M. We'll talk a little later with council member Brown on her predictions for the future of rent control and tenants rights for the city. But for now, let's talk about what we saw on Tuesday. No, there's, we will line up on that side. Yeah, okay. So, uh -huh. Let me go ahead and clarify. If you're More than speaking, 75 residents spoke left, during public comment on a proposal that would resurrect the moratorium on evictions, except in certain cases, okay. such as failure okay. to pay so rent or criminal activity. Oh, this is the line. Apologies. Landlords who violate these okay, so rules would be line. subject to fines of up to $4,000 and open themselves up to civil lawsuits. Okay. We'll get more into okay. the ordinance's details so. after we hear from some residents. For those of you keeping track at home, the majority of speakers were against the proposal. Common themes we heard from that camp. The rules unfairly punish hardworking mom and pop landlords. The rules don't address the real problem, which is a low supply of rentals, and that some landlords have already pulled their rentals off market due to the political uncertainty around Measure M. Resurrecting the rules would only further reduce supply, they said. Some wondered why the council was back here considering these rules when voters already soundly rejected Measure M. 
Here's Elizabeth Walsh, who manages housing buildings in Mountain View. She said when Mountain View enacted rent control, her tenants turned on her. Pro bono lawyers had promised the tenants no rent increases, and she got buried in legal fees, she said. a little multifamily housing unit over here, hoping I wouldn't be around Mountain View, even though I had to keep managing over there. And now it's followed me. It is a Trojan horse. It will ruin your community. It will become divisive between tenants and landlords. It's not the way to solve the problem. Supply and demand is the only solution to this. We have a housing shortage, and we cannot fix it on the backs of landlords. Let's hear from some other opponents. No intelligent person will build an ADU and be held hostage to the council's proposed rental restrictions. The council needs to reform its act and consider the unintended consequences of its decisions. Some members of the council may view their role as progressive towards rental reform. This is naive and dangerous without studying the unintended consequences of decision making. Case in point, an initiative to keep seniors or five-year residents uncontested in their rentals. This is virtually a guarantee that landlords will not rent to seniors. It may be discrimination, but try and prove it. Really, realistically, what it comes down to is, is economics at, the, at this level. Um, because of, of this, I'm keeping my rental unit off the market, and to have an industry, you know, basic economics where that you're adding additional, you know, legislation and liability for me in it, I'm going to, you know, if I do d decide to go back into the rental market and put it up for rent, I'm going to make sure I get top dollar for it, right? I'm going to make sure that I'm extremely selective of who, who I do and only, you know, rent to people that are willing to pay the most amount of money, so... My husband is an elevator mechanic and I work on our rental properties. We can't risk the possibility that a lease would essentially have no expiration date if the tenant decided they didn't want to leave. What if that tenant is just a bad fit to live in an apartment that shares a common wall in our home? Too bad. We just can't wait until the end of the legal lease and no harm, no foul go our separate ways. We are, in effect, stuck with that tenant forever. So it looks very much like your decisions are influencing at least one potential rental unit to never enter the market. Do you think the, the voters are stupid? Do you believe the arguments that they were bamboozled by thousands of dollars? And it's the same voters! Okay. It's the I'm, same I'm, voters! I'm time, please. We have a right to hear everybody speak, whether we agree with them or not. Thank you. And everybody will get their time, and please proceed. It's the same voters that voted for you. Maybe not the same numbers that voted no, on Measure M, but they voted you over your opponents. So please respect democracy. Please stick to what the people asked for. Meanwhile, around 30 people spoke in support of the eviction rules. The common theme from those speakers was that for landlords, this is about their bottom line, but for renters, it's about trying to survive in an absurdly tight rental market. I'll play you some snippets from those speakers. Cause eviction is absolutely necessary for the renters to exist in this town with any peace of mind at all. And we need a strong one and it needs not to be have added on exemptions. We have to have that to have any stability. So I retired after teaching for, at UCSC for 15 years, and I do not want to spend my 70s looking for a new city to live in. That seems grotesque to me. 
Enough is enough. In the last few months, we've seen far too many people thrown out of their homes in this city. I know tenants who have been evicted as obvious retaliation for their work for Measure M, as well as tenants of all political persuasions who have been confronted with crushing rent increases or eviction notices since the expiration of the temporary rent freeze back in December. You've asked us to play nice tonight, and you're asking us to play nice on a basic need. I'm asking you to stop playing nice and to be bold in the actions of protecting renters, your most valuable and vulnerable members of this community. Thank you. Is the market, we were there for five and a half years. The market then and now is so different. And so anytime people are getting evicted, it causes hardship. It causes a lot of stress. We're paying almost $700 more than we were paying a couple months ago. We have just seen one of the most unfair unjust, imbalanced, absolutely not a democratic campaign. That was won by money. So after about two hours of these impassioned pleas from residents, council began discussion, giving us the first glimpse of how the new council operates. What struck me was that there was very little grandstanding among council members for or against. It seemed a foregone conclusion that the ordinance was going to advance. The discussion was mostly about tweaking a few words here and there. It began with Councilmember Brown, who said she was dismayed by those who suggested the proposal was an end run around Measure M. She said the eviction rules were not Measure M's poison pill. She said in the 10 months that the rules were on the books, only a couple landlords requested an exemption. I've said here, and I, I'll say it again, I do not, I'm not interested in a postmortem on Measure M. Um, what I am interested in is moving forward um, with some modicum of uh, tenant protections while uh, the community does meaningfully engage in uh, um, a range of, of options for uh, rent stabilization and tenant protections for the longer term. Then she asked for two changes to the proposal. One, to require landlord approval for subleases. And two, extend the moratorium on evictions from three months to one year or until the council adopts an alternate proposal. City attorney Tony Condotti requested another change. To have protection from eviction, subtenants must replace original tenants on a one-for-one -one basis. For example, a tenant would not be allowed to sublease her room to three people and still be protected. Then, Vice Mayor Cummings had a few changes, which surprisingly loosened the limits on landlords, which he said came out of his conversations with the community. One, exempt landlords who have a sole rental property and live on site, and two, exempt landlords who have occupied their unit for one year and intend to leave and return within one year. There was some back and forth on those, but there was general agreement. Then came Vice Mayor Cummings's biggest ask, to remove a clause that prevented landlords from evicting tenants who have lived in their unit for at least five years. That brought dissent from council members Crone and Brown. This was significant because it signaled that Vice Mayor Cummings is not a hardliner and is willing to break rank and challenge his progressive colleagues. 
Council members Crone and Brown finally ceded to Vice Mayor Cummings, but it took some convincing. I'll play part of their exchange. You'll hear Vice Mayor Cummings's request, then a pregnant pause, and then Council Member Brown. Section three, number seven, F, um, uh, Roman numeral one, that um, a landlord can reoccupy the unit even if the person has lived there for, for uh, more than five, for five years or more. I just have a quick question. Um, so, you know, I, I am also uh, sympathetic to the need for owner move-in, um, even in the case that there are longer-term tenants. But I, I'm, I'm just worried about, you know, I mean, if, given that part of our intention here is promoting stability in the community, um, if you could just talk a little bit more about your, your rationale for wanting to do that, and maybe it'll help me be okay with the friendly. Sure. Um, one of the things that I'd heard um, people had concerns with around uh, just cause for eviction was the idea that if they wanted to move one of their, if they wanted to, one, reoccupy um, the space that they had purchased and someone had been living there for a long period of time, that um, if they've been living there for more than five years, then they don't have access to their space. Um, additionally, if I've also received word from people who mentioned that um, these places have been purchased for um, allowing their sick family members to be able to move into or older family members to move into when they want to take care of them um, at later dates. And with under this provision, if someone's lived there for more than five years, they would not be able to have those people leave those spaces. And um, just in the um, with uh, in addressing the concerns that I've heard from some people, um, I wanted to bring that issue up for discussion. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask the, or any other council members want to weigh in on this before I make a decision about accepting as a friendly or voting on this separately. Here's council member Crone. I'm not sure if I understand because um, I thought we're, we're doing something in a short term and then going to look for the uh, task force to come back to us. So we're, I mean, I'm not opposed to what you're saying at all, but it doesn't seem that relevant to right, right so, now. So, okay. At this point, Mayor Watkins interjects explaining the format of the discussion, and then it's back to Council Member Crone. Task force is not going to take up stuff like this and come back to us with something possibly different? It could. I think the point... Actually, so... <laughs> let, did you want to respond? A year, I understand, but five years, it says. Taking out the five. Sure. Um, and Vice Mayor Cummings eventually swayed council members Brown and Crone. We'll see how this dynamic plays out in future discussions. There were other changes to the proposal, but I'll just mention one more. The discussion of whether an applicant's credit score could be used to deny a tenant's request to sublet her space. At Councilmember Matthews' urging, the council decided to add the word solely 
so that a credit score cannot be the sole reason a landlord denies a sublet request. Here's Councilmember Glover during the lead up to the decision. He and Councilmember Crone were the only two who voted against adding the word. The main issue that I had with that initial motion is the fact that credit is used in ways to hold people down and limit their ability to participate. Now the the sole creditworthiness uh, makes it so that it's more acceptable to me, but at the same time, like how are you going to know if it's if that's the only reason? Like, and here's Council Member Crone. The credit report thing for me is a, a very abusive to a lot of a lot of tenants and getting into places and stuff. Ultimately, close to midnight, the vote went as expected. Brown. Glover, Crone, and Cummings for the ordinance, and Myers, Matthews, and Watkins against. Just prior to the vote, Myers, Matthews, and Watkins finally voiced their dissent. To me, this felt like the meeting's climax, the part where they finally said what everybody has been waiting four hours for them to say, but at the same time admitting defeat. Here's a clip from Councilmember Donna Meyer. I won't be voting in favor of the ordinance. Um, I do feel like um, we are. Uh, I, I do. I do feel like we are at a point in this conversation um, around how we provide rent stabilization and protection for renters, where um, we're acting without information and data. Um, and I will talk more about my thoughts about the task force when we get there, but um, I do worry that um, this action tonight is going to, will result in loss of rental units in our, in our community. Um, and I don't think that that is a threat um, or a hostage taking situation. I think it's just a reality um, that some people face with various finances and mortgage issues and things like that and the risk that they take in terms of um, trying to hold on to a, whether it's uh, trying to hold on to a unit here in, in, in town. Um, I'm absolutely committed to trying to figure out how we protect renters and have, how we stabilize um, rents in the community, but um, at this point I'm not, I'm not in favor of this um, this evening, but I did, did want to add those comments. Um, and I, I guess I would also add that, um, you know, I think this will pass tonight, obviously. Um, I think uh, the, the language is a little better, um, but I would have liked to have seen uh, a different tool looked at in terms of this point in time before we did the task force. And that tool could have been, um, for example, hiring a uh, mediation company or firm that actually renters could have had access to uh, upon receiving eviction notice uh, and then having landlords and tenants go through a mediation. Uh, I believe this is going to be um, very helpful to a lot of uh, attorneys in town and uh, we're going to end up uh, spending quite a bit of money and, as will tenants and landlords in this situation. And here's council member Matt. I too uh, will be voting against the uh, um, ordinance as uh, proposed. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's improved a bit and I appreciate the uh, efforts for doing that. Um, but uh, I do think uh, 
coming um, straight after the break, straight after the election, understanding that the just cause was uh, one of the uh, keynote objections to the um, Measure M as written. Uh, and then this to, ha to have this come right back again in substantially the same form, I think has really um, undermined uh, the confidence of those who do have rental properties to participate in in a good spirit and goodwill in the discussions that we need and that we will talk about on the next item. Um, I think there's plenty to do. Um, there were there were so many really heartfelt and genuine statements uh, on both sides of this issue tonight, and there were plenty of offensive statements on both sides. So let's just acknowledge that. Um, the issue, this issue has brought Santa Cruz, as we've said before, to um, a, a more deeply divided um, circumstance than I've ever seen. And finally, Mayor Watkins. I was um, very supportive of the temporary measure while the community decided on Measure M. And um, within that time, we often heard from um, both sides asking that we let the community decide and sort of stay out of it, knowing that um, that was already underway. And also interest in having a more inclusive community conversation um, if if the measure were to fail um, and, and going from there. And so I look forward to that conversation. I appreciate the intention. I recognize the intention. Um, I uh, won't support it for uh, that reason and um, look forward to the conversation that we're gonna have at the next item. So before we talk to council member Brown, I'll just mention one more thing that happened late in the meeting after the crowd dissipated. The council made a small step in the direction of rent control. It's not rent control, but a penalty for landlords who raise their rents a certain amount. The council passed an ordinance that would require landlords to pay a lump sum to displace tenants. This applies to landlords who raise rents more than 5% in one year or 7% cumulatively over two years. If, after the rent increase, the tenant decides to move, landlords will have to pay tenants two months worth of the previous rent. The tenant has 60 days to decide. We'll meet after one short break. Santa Cruz Local is a new journalism startup co-founded by myself, Kara Myber Guzman, and Stephen Baxter. Our plan is to write stories and record podcasts with context and deep reporting on public policy in Santa Cruz County. This is our pilot episode to see if you like it. We want to hear from you about what kind of local news is important to you and how you like to get your news. Visit our website, santacruzlocal.org, to fill out our three-minute survey. You can also sign up for our email list on our website to hear updates on our launch. Email us at feedback at santacruzlocal.org or tweet to us at the SC Local. So 
now let's talk about what's on the long-term horizon in Santa Cruz for rent control and tenant protection. For this, let's call up council member Sandy Brown. I'll be asking her about the process and logistics of this formal community discussion we're about to enter. I'll ask her about her predictions for the outcome. We've been hearing concerns from the public that we're going into this blind with no real data on our rental market. So I'll ask her also about how the city can solve that. What are you hearing in the community as far as what people want to see in the debate that we're wading into mm -hmm. in, in, in this community process? You know, it's interesting. I have not heard a lot, interestingly, from the community about the details in terms of structure and goals. I'd like to hear more. I have heard from, you know, some, some folks who have given, I, I think, some pretty good advice to the council, um, including Rick Longinati, who was instrumental in the WASAC process. Um, and you know, so he's given me some, some of his thoughts. He's, you know, he's distributed that to the whole council. I think that aiming for consensus is important. I'd like to see that happen. I am going to um, – I'm cautiously optimistic that we can get somewhere there, um, at least on certain areas. Um, I haven't heard a lot from uh, members of the community, aside from a desire for this to happen, some kind of mediated process, I feel very strongly it should be mediated by professional third-party outside mediators. I, I know we have very competent staff who will help uh, staff a task force and will help us with information gathering and, you know, meeting structure and all of that, but I think it's going to be very important to have uh, a seasoned, trained facilitator to to task with that. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'll just say, you know, again, as, back to the point, it's interesting that I haven't had a lot of feedback. Um, from, you know, it's been pretty limited, and, you know, it's been from people who are very thoughtful about this, and I appreciate that. But there are a lot of people who were really, you know, in the course of the campaign riled up and saying it's, you know, we need to have a seat at the table, and I'm talking in particular about Santa Cruz Together folks. And right now when I'm hearing from them or at least reading in the, the messaging is, you know, don't participate. This is a sham, which I think is really a shame. It sounded like from what staff presented on Tuesday and what council was directing staff towards is something similar to WASAC for DSAL or DLAC for the library, like a Brown-acted committee to discuss uh, you know, to come to some sort of consensus. Does that sound right? Can you and can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So that that is, I think, the direction that we would like to go in. Certainly, I would like to go in. I think that both of those processes were quite effective, and I do believe that it's time for community members who are really interested in these issues around rent stabilization and tenant protections to get together and have that dialogue that we were hoping for in uh, previous rounds and it didn't really happen that way with the ballot initiative process. But I think now we have an opportunity to bring people together who were, you know, supportive of rent control, concerned about the extent of coverage under Measure M and the, you know, the sort of ex extent and 
the um, the depth of the measure. You know, certain parts of it were particularly contentious, and so I do look forward to that opportunity for having the community conversation. We on the council would like to, I think, and I won't speak for my all of my colleagues, but in the conversations I've had, I think there is some interest in ensuring that we have a very clear set of goals and objectives, and I think that was discussed on Tuesday night as well, mm -hmm. so that was pretty public. Um, you know, a, a small group, small enough to be manageable, we would like it to be intentionally representative of some of the key stakeholders. So um, I think having some mix of tenants and their organizations, uh, landlords, and I would say, and we, we it was the hour was late, so we didn't have a chance to really get too in-depth in terms of what individual council members were looking towards in terms of the appointment process, the number of people, structure, all of that. But I think that the, um, you know, in general, that having that smaller group, and I, and I would add for myself, I think it's very important that we have some diversity among landlords, among, you know, property owners, multi owners of multiple properties, property management companies, some of the larger players who have been quite vocal, and a lot of the small-scale landlords who um, have not necessarily been as vocal. Some have and others not so much. The makeup of, the, of this council, which is a very pro-tenants rights majority, what's your prediction as far as how likely it is that we'll have more moderate form of uh, rent control and just cause eviction than what we saw in the November campaign? Yeah, it's you know, it's a great question, and... I am I am going to say I am cautiously optimistic that we will be we will come up with or the community can when we put our minds together come up with a set of parameters that are realistic. I you know, I also am I'm a realist <laughs> very much so and I understand that um these are not these interests are competing and there's a lot of mistrust and there's a lot of fear on all sides and so I you know I, I don't take that lightly that it is this will be um, a challenge but I, I think in the end that we'll we probably will get somewhere positive um, and effective and I think there will be a lot of people who are not happy with it, no matter what we do, who, you know, who will be unhappy. But I, I think that, at least for me, the goal is to find something that people uh, feel like they can live with and the sky isn't going to fall. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I absolutely think that's possible. I mean, I think that, you know, we're, when we bring, uh, you know, our best intentions to the table in Santa Cruz, we, we do, work, you know, find ways to... Um, work together. I just have one more question, Sandy. Um, one of the things that we heard um, Tuesday um, from people is, you know, a demand for data on, you know, our rent, our rental market. This is a challenge I've had too as a journalist. Um, you know, that since there is no like database of landlords or numbers of evictions, uh, like real numbers. What what do you think is realistic as far as what the city can do to address that need? Yeah, that's a it's an excellent question. And you know, I'm a I'm a social scientist by training, and so I always 
like to rely on data for decision-making purposes and, you know, information gathering is very important. And it is hard. Um, I do think that some of the information that people at least raised, things, questions that people raised on Tuesday night and questions that have been in my mind, some of that information is is not readily available, but, you know, we can, we can get at some of that. I mean, one, I think this question of how many rentals have been taken off the market um, we can we can sort of figure that out to, in, to some degree. One through our rental inspection program. I mean, we have a database of landlords, at least those who were registered. Now we know that many are not um, mm-hmm. in that database, um, but we can get some sense there of you know what it looks like, what kinds of changes we've seen recently and over a certain period of time. We can, I think we could probably get some, you know, some research, you know, that can get us a better understanding of how rents have increased that isn't just Zillow. I know lots of people say, well, everybody cites Zillow, and that's not scientific, and it absolutely isn't. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think, you know, when I worked at the Community Action Board, we we did this. The shelter project did a research project like this with an intern, and it, it really, I mean, it took some time, but we tracked rent, you know, you know, on the, you know, we tracked the market, and we were able to get a pretty good sense of how rents were increasing in, in, in different categories of, you know, bed, you know, bedrooms in a house versus apartments and all of that, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that hard, and now with the, you know, the technologies we have available, I think it could be done Again, it won't it won't be scientific. It won't be entirely representative. Um, this social scientist generally says that's really almost impossible. No matter how hard we try mm-hmm. to get representative yeah. sampling and all of this, you know, we try our best. But it, you know, ultimately, there's always some um, you know bias in terms of the you know the data that's available and in terms of who participates, etc. But I think we could probably get some of that, pull some of that together. I'm looking forward to talking with our staff about what, um, particularly the planning department, about what information they can just get in our hands most immediately and then work from there. Thank you to council member Sandy Brown for the interview. This episode of Santa Cruz Local was produced by me, Kara Myberg-Guzman. The songs you heard were Turn It Up and Happiness Is by Poddington Bear at soundofpicture.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local. You can find us online at santacruzlocal.org. Email us at feedback at santacruzlocal.org and let us know what you think.